the fate of this nation will come down to sackcloth and ashes. Whether men in their pride will refuse to acknowledge the sovereign God and receive the full impact of his wrath, or whether they will repent in true humility before Almighty God is really the question. I don't know the answer. This nation is marching toward destruction and seemingly will not change its course. But I hope that God will give grace. As we look at our series, Faith for the Final, Surviving the Coming Days, in this lesson, part three, we're going to examine closely what Jesus criticized the disciples for. He criticized them because they had refused to acknowledge that he was in fact the sovereign God of the universe and therefore capable of doing all that they could hope for if they would simply believe. The last time we looked at Matthew chapter 17 verse 20 and the translation, he told them it was because of your little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This is the translation reflected in the Net Bible, the, new, the NIV, and the New American Standard Bible, the NASB. These are the three Bibles that I used for many years until I realized that this and several other passages are poorly reflected in their translations. The suggestion that the size of is the correct sense of the intent of this text is clearly, clearly contradictory. For Jesus to say to his disciples that they had a little faith and then turn around and tell them if they had faith the size of a mustard seed is a clear contradiction. The refusal to recognize the contradiction leads to some very unlikely interpretations of this text. Let me show you what I mean. In the Bible Knowledge Commentary, a 66 volume uh, in one, of all the books of the Bible, the Bible Knowledge Commentary produced by Dallas Theological Seminary. On Matthew 17:20, the author makes this statement, quote, even a small amount of faith, as small as a mustard seed, is inadequate, is adequate to move a huge mountain, assuming, of course, that the move is in God's will. Now, they recognize that there is something askew with this passage, but to rectify it or to clarify it, they say that the issue is the will of God. That faith, the size of your faith, is not important. What is important is the will of God. Now, if we take that decision, or if we follow that reasoning, we would have to say that in nearly 2,000 years of human history, God has not moved one mountain. Are you really saying 
that in 2,000 years of history, it has not been the will of God to move one mountain. It would just, it seems so incredible that that would be the correct interpretation of this text. Notice in the word biblical commentary, which is really an outstanding set of commentaries, on this particular text, it says, quote, in light of the statement that follows, this little faith, quote, unquote, apparently does not qualify to be called genuine faith at all, even of a minimal amount. Now, they decide that the issue is no faith. In other words, they didn't have genuine faith at all. When Jesus said they had a little faith, what he was really saying is that they had no faith. Now, if words mean anything, and you take the normal, natural, customary sense of the text, then that makes no sense at all. If Jesus wanted to say that they had no faith, using the analogy of the mustard seed makes no sense. So I reject that conclusion. In the Pillar New Testament commentary, the author writes, quote, by small faith, he is probably referring to the poor quality, the poverty of their faith. Jesus is saying that even a little faith would enable the disciples to do what they had just proved they could not do. It is not necessary to have great faith. Even a small amount is enough as long as it is faith in the great God, close quote. Now, see, they decided the way to fix this is to say that their faith was weak, poor quality, uh, so insufficient to do the great work of faith because they didn't see their God as great. So it was their view of God that was causing the problem, not the fact of faith. In their estimation, the Pillar New Testament, that is, a little small quantity of faith is insufficient if that faith is not in the great God. Nonsense. Those conclusions are made because the translation is faulty. And if you start with a faulty translation, any attempt to make sense of it will be just as faulty. Really what we need to do is to look back at the text to see what is the original intent of the author. Matthew says, he told them it was because of your little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. 
The question is, did Jesus mean that the disciples had a little faith? What does that phrase, little faith, mean? What's the Greek behind it, and what is the intent? What's the difference between small faith and faith the size of a mustard seed? Is there a difference? And if so, what is it? We have to know that, or this, takes, this text makes no sense that the translation is faulty. It is my conclusion that the Greek word oligopistia, which is the Greek word here used as a noun, is small faith, a thing. He is describing a thing. It's a noun. He says that his disciples are suffering from small faith. Now, this word oligopistia is a favorite term of Matthew. He uses it on five separate occasions. There is also one parallel passage in the Gospel of Luke where it is also used. Now, in Matthew, he uses both the noun and the adjective. In fact, the first five occurrences of the term is an adjective. An adjective describes a noun. He also will use it as a noun in the last verse, which we will look at in Matthew 17, 20. But what I want to do first is to look at how Matthew uses this term because that will help us understand his intent. In Matthew chapter 6, chapter 8, chapter 14, chapter 16, and finally chapter 17, Matthew uses this term. He will also, this term will also be used in Luke chapter 12, verse 28, which is a parallel passage to Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. I want to look at each one of these passages because they inform us of certain important facts and in also will clarify what Matthew means by little faith. So let's take a look at these verses. We will look at them in this uh, section and also in the next part we will finish this analysis. Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, it says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, here is the first usage of the term oligopistia by Matthew. He uses it as an adjective. And an adjective describes a noun. So what noun is this adjective describing? In the parallel passage in Luke chapter 12, verse 28, Israel says, Why do you worry about clothing? Think about how the flowers of the field grow. They do not work or spin. 
Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. And if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow is tossed into the fire to heat the oven, wouldn't he clothe you even more, you people of little faith? Now, this is very insightful here. The Lord is talking to his disciples about trusting God and trusting God in a particular area. I want you to notice how this verse stacks up in the Greek, Luke 12, 28. It starts out by saying, but, that's the little Greek word, de, but if, a, is the first word in the Greek sentence, and it indicates that this is a conditional sentence, in this case, first class condition. Now, you may have heard your pastor or some preacher say that a first class condition in the Greek means it is true. Now, that's a rather over, oversimplified view of this particular usage. It actually means that the author is asking you, the reader, to allow him to make this assertion in order for him to make his argument. It could be translated like this. If for the sake of argument, whatever he wants to say, he is, he is assuming that it's true and he's asking you to assume that it is true in order for him to make an argument for something that he believes. So in contrast, if for the sake of argument, God, now the uh, subject is hotheos or hotheos, a God. But notice where it's located in the sentence. He's going to emphasize the, um, the temporality of the, um, the grass, its beauty, in order to make a point about God and man. So he says, uh, in contrast, if for the sake of argument, God so, hutas, uh, clothes the field, ton crouton, with grass, um, knowing or seeing that it's here today and gone tomorrow or thrown into the cline or fire or oven, as it is translated, who posts, poso, how much uh, more you? It's, it's a contrast, a comparison. If, for the sake of argument, God closed the field with beautiful grass, which is temporary in its existence, how much more will he clothe you? You are not temporary in your existence, and you are at the top of the chain of God's creation. For you to not believe that God would clothe you with beauty and 
given what he does for the temporal field, Jesus says is an indication of little faith. Notice in this picture in the valley, uh, the lilies, how they cover the field. It doesn't matter who you are, friend. If you walk upon a field and see that type of beauty, which is so temporary, for a couple of months, three months, it's there, and then it's gone. If God pays attention to his creation to the such, that he would beautify this field with this gorgeous cover of red beauty, Jesus says, what in the world do you think God would do for you? Oligopistioi, little faith. Now, it's used as an adjective, and it's describing the disciples, little faithed. He's saying that to worry about clothing is evidence of little faith people. In this case, little faith is an adjective describing people. You are a little faith person. If you worry about clothing, God will not allow his people to be raggedy, naked, wearing the ordinary and plain, but promises to make you as beautiful as he makes a feel, given your position before God. To worry about clothing, to worry about what you're going to wear, if you are a follower of God Almighty, is evidence that you are a little faith person as a description, just like you would say a red car or a brown boat, or whatever. You are little faith people. This is the point. And he is saying that they have faith, but it's very small. He's not saying they don't have real faith. He's saying they have faith, but it is inadequate for them to live a life worry-free when it comes to clothing. Notice, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, the word occurs again. It says, and he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. Now, if you notice in this particular passage, this is the conclusion of a miracle where Jesus calmed a raging sea, the Sea of Galilee, when it, after the disciples were frightened by a storm that they thought they were going to die as a result of. Jesus in the boat asleep. The disciples see the storm, become afraid, wake Jesus and cries out, we are going to perish. Jesus then says to them, why are you afraid? Why are you allowing nature to frighten you? O ye of little faith, rebuke the wind and the sea, and there was great calm. Now, of course, he's talking to all his disciples. You all 
of little faith. You is plural. He's talking to all the disciples at this particular stilling of the storm. In a parallel to this passage, Mark chapter 4, verse 4, we have it in the form of a question. Have you still no faith? In Luke chapter 8, verse 25, where this particular miracle is also used or recorded, it is in the form of a question, where is your faith? Now, in Mark chapter 4, verse 40, he asks, have you still no faith after one year? This is the sense. It's been a year since Jesus called them and they have followed him. And in that year, they have seen the Lord Jesus work a number of miracles. He then poses the question, Hupo ekete pestin, where, uh, or rather, um, not yet would be the literal translation of Hupo, not yet you all have faith. Have you still no faith is literally the question that he's asking. Now, this is a rhetorical question. It expects an answer, and the answer is yes. Have you still no faith? Yes, we still have no faith. Now, obviously, the way Mark has posed the question, it would seem that the disciples had no faith at all. But that is not true. They did awake the Lord and they did expect him to do something about it. They, in fact, that's what they asked. So they had enough faith to ask him to do something. They didn't have enough faith to do something themselves. That was the issue. In Luke chapter 8, verse 25, is posed as the question, where is your faith? Pu apistis humon, where, uh, this is an interrogative adverb, asking a probative question of the disciples. Where, where, where is your faith? How come you don't have faith to believe in this particular situation what God can do for you? The question is searching. On the face of all that um, I have done for you and all that you've seen, are you telling me that you don't have faith to believe in what I've told you and what you are going to do, what I told you you were going to do? I told you that you were going to be fishers of men. And you are going to do that. Therefore, you should have had a different conclusion. But you had little faith. You are little faith people. This is important because he is saying that we should not fear nature. Nature is not in control. We are. We have been given authority over nature. The disciples should have recognized the 
sufficiency of their own power to deal with this storm in a way that will not result in their freedom from fear. One study you ought to do is examine all the miracles that Jesus did in the New Testament. You will discover that Jesus regularly exercised authority over nature by setting aside natural law. Whenever Jesus needed or wanted to save or heal or stop some law that naturally occurs in nature, he did. He simply set it aside. He caused it to stop its normal function for the amount of time necessary to accomplish the will of God. And this, he says, we, his followers, citizens of the kingdom of God, we have that ability as well to set aside natural law temporarily so as to achieve an end that we believe is the will of God. In this case, Jesus stilled the storm. He set aside the raging storm in order for his disciples in this boat to be safe. This, he didn't stop all storms on that sea. There continued to be storms. But he stopped this particular one. He set aside the law that says a storm on the sea will rage until it plays itself out. No, in this case, Jesus stopped that storm early. He stopped it before it was intended to stop or would have stopped on its own. In the miracles of Jesus, you will see that Jesus regularly set aside natural law when it was necessary to protect the will of God in the lives of his people. If God has not destined you to a certain end, Satan, nature, and all of those forces that seek to thwart the will of God— can be set aside. You can still the storm. You can stop sickness. You can heal the broken. You can stop evil's ravage. You can cast out the demon. You can do these works that require the setting aside of natural law. If you want to do a study for your own edification, look at the 30 plus miracles that are actually recorded in the New Testament and record how many of them involve the setting aside of some natural law. When Jesus will walk on water, he set aside a natural law. Things that are heavy, heavier than water normally sinks. Uh, but Jesus actually walked on the water. He temporarily set aside natural law, the law of physics, which involved what floats and what does not. 
This is the authority that Jesus was trying to get his disciples to understand that I have come to give you power over demons in darkness and over the laws of nature, if need be, temporarily, to achieve the will of God in the lives of individuals. It depends on whether or not you believe the extent of God's power in the lives of his people. Now, I know there are many of you very uncomfortable with the notion or idea. You've been taught something quite to the converse. Yet, when we read this passage, Matthew 20, uh, 17, 20, the verse makes no sense because it says if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. And every one of you know, you know that that verse doesn't make any sense in your own life. For you are a person of faith. You do have faith. Now, it may not be a great faith, but you certainly do have enough to measure out a mustard seed size. And yet, you know, you're not moving any mountains. And there are certainly some mountains in your life that need to be moved. That's because that verse is incorrectly translated and it gives an impossible uh, requirement that makes no sense. Now, in our next part four, we will continue to look at this. Jesus says, little faith people worry about clothing and little faith people are frustrated and fear nature. These are not what God intended. See you next time.